I was a bouncing and a laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view. Hi there, I'm Glenn Savile, and you're listening to the Always Race Day podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Always Race Day podcast presented by the Carlotto Group. I'm Connor Ferguson here with Josh Olmstead and Caleb Sloha. Uh, did I get it right that time? All right, one of these days that'll just be normal and we'll just move on from this segment. But after name pronunciations, we got to give a shout out to the Carlotto Group. If you're bored, if you're not doing anything today, you can't think of an excuse to go out and buy yourself a car, just go do it anyway. Throw caution to the wind, little midlife crisis action. Get down to the uh, Carlotto Group. They'll get you helped out uh, quickly, cleanly, and safely. Um, that's our personal guarantee here at Always Race Day. Uh, and they're going to be with us uh, as a partner, uh, as always, over the next few weeks. Uh, lots of big races coming up, including the Eldora Million, uh, the King's Royal IndyCar at iowa speedway and of course um we're right on the cusp of it but the knoxville nationals um starting just in a little bit over a month i think just about five weeks until uh we get into the full uh 10 days of knoxville um and all that stuff so really exciting stuff uh coming up and uh we're gonna recap chicago and talk everything else from uh the fourth of july weekend on here caleb josh how was your fourth of july's it was busy tiring but it was a well-needed relaxation so i blew stuff up blew stuff up <laughs> there's a big discourse on social media about fireworks and I, I like it is alarming how many people just don't associate fireworks with like fun thoughts of their childhood probably I mean, the same people that shoot roman candles at each other I've never done it. That. that sounds fun. It is. It all just depends. People get like so obnoxious with the their usage of fireworks. So that's the only issue I have. I only hate it when I can't see it. Make sure I can see it. You know, get fireworks big enough that I can see it if it's going to go off when I'm trying to watch TV. The only time it bothers me is to like last night. Like I don't care. It's it's if you're gonna do them, do them. Whatever. Like normally I don't care. My dog hates them, but I kind of you know whatever. But then like at twelve thirty a.m. I can't get my dog to go to the bathroom or go to bed because they're still blowing stuff up. Like at that point, people have to work in the morning. Give it up. But I'm gonna start some some dog firework earmuffs <clears throat> yeah there you go we do the hearing protection talk every like week in the dirt racing realm uh why don't we do them for dogs i'm just thinking out loud i'm getting the ball rolling someone else can patent that one i'll let you take it maybe i shouldn't that might have been a million dollar mistake right there anyways fireworks in chicago this week uh shane van gisbergen uh gets the win you guys were giving me endless amounts of shit because i didn't know him when he signed the deal Speaking of name pronunciations, I'm impressed you got it first go. That's like one of the easier ones. I, there's some people out there just like keep screwing it up, and I'm like, this one's like a very good sounded out one. Like you can just look at it, and that's how it's said. It's so embarrassing how many people in in NASCAR were like very 
open of like yeah i don't know how to pronounce his name well like they make i I guarantee nascar has a guy that goes around and does the pronunciation chart like well like when logano said hamburger (laughs) yeah or like camlin on his podcast he was like i don't even know how to pronounce it like he they're they're just very open about like not really caring to know his name but uh yeah we we gave you crap because i was very excited when what I, I just wanted to ask you, since you gave me crap for that and we had that debate, have you watched a supercars race? Live, no, I don't live need or to. No, you still you still have it. I don't need to. I don't think I don't think I need to anymore. Um because I'm just... too. he goes, I I've never even really watched a supercars race, but like I can appreciate that dude so much. I don't need to watch a supercars race to have appreciated coming into it because like if i've heard of you and i haven't watched supercars i know you're good and that was my whole point going into it was you, I, I don't I, think I, you said that once on the podcast because I, I, I completely agree with that like i've but that's the thing is like i know that name and i've i've known that name for years now i mean it's probably been five six years of me kind of knowing who he is and uh that that's why i was so excited was because it was like I don't, I don't have to be the biggest fan of him or, you know, the biggest fan of the supercars, but I appreciate the fact that like this guy appears to be really good and I'm interested to see what he did. And he showed them all. (laughs) I mean, it's, he, he showed exactly how good he is um, coming into, to this race. Yeah. So my, my big takeaway and I'll need your guys' help on the race recap part and we'll go through it and everything, but like I don't need to watch a supercars race anymore, uh, but I really want to. Like that's why I don't need to, because uh, I have all the things, all the signs pointing to me that there's a lot of talent in that series. From uh, I guess Marcus Ambrose did that before NASCAR, um, so didn't realize that until now. Um, and obviously Scott McLaughlin is carrying that series banner uh, in IndyCar. I know Pelou's Pelou is uh, dominating, but he's strong as hell for being a second year guy um and what he's doing over there so between those two guys and shane getting this one and his team owner did an interview he kind of sounded like fred hoiberg talking about sending guys to the nba uh and it's like you know yeah i'd like to have the best guys here but if he wants to go explore the world and conquer everything else and i'd love for him to do that and that's cool so i i want to see at least one race live is my goal through the rest of the year. Maybe they can hook me on a broadcast or something. I don't even know what, where I would get that to watch it. Yeah. I don't know exactly where it's broadcast, but I, and that's the cool thing. So Hamlin on his podcast talked a little bit too about how, you know, he kind of had a, uh, an advantage because these cup cars are a lot like the supercars. Obviously there's, there's differences, but the shifting is the same and all that. But then you also have to take into account, he was sitting on the complete opposite side of the car that he's normally in. And Hamlin talked about doing like a test in Japan where he had to sit on the opposite side of the car. And it took him, I mean, hours and days to get used to it. And I mean, SVG just jumped in there and, and was super fast. So it'd be interesting to see what he could do on like a normal road course. Um, But I mean, it just, it was incredible to see him come in and get it done. And he did not put a foot out of place. He did not, 
you know, like especially in the late stages, uh, Josh and I were talking about how like those super guy, supercars guys, they will beat and bang just like the NASCAR guys. So, you know, we were kind of worried on how the late race restart would, would go, but uh, he just, he drove it absolutely perfectly. So I will follow up with two notes of that too. Um, I did. I mean, as you guys saw the interviews and everything, he was like, yeah, I was expecting to get really like roughed up or like someone was going to really just like get, we were going to go door to door with someone, but everyone was just really clean and it kind of caught me off guard. And I think that kind of just stands for like what he was expecting. And when he kind of just took the lead, he was like, Oh, okay. And kind of walked away. Um, Point number two is I gathered this a little bit when I was watching replays and the practice and everything was he was using the clutch to manage his braking better. And to my knowledge, none of the NASCAR guys use the clutch under braking when downshifting. So I think that was a big takeaway and a big factor in why he was so much faster than everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's crazy stuff coming from what p18 after nascar changed the distance of the race and the the whole funny thing of sunday is it had all the makings of a shit show and even with the street race thing like still ended up being fine like still ended up it was a massive day for nascar with tv ratings and we'll get to that down the road but like oh my god they had had everything in this race that could go wrong still went wrong and they were fine they had the one big pile up, which on a course like that, it's it, we see it on the streets for like IndyCar and stuff all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's easy to happen. do that. Yeah, you know, it was bound to happen at some point because there's just nowhere to go. But they they really had a lot of things setting them up for failure. And between yeah, the TV ratings and how things went, and like the end of the race, Justin Haley's not really a guy to, you know go in there and, and just take somebody out. Um, despite one of the NASCAR spotters, you know, was rooting for, but that's a whole other thing. But, uh, we can talk about know, him a little bit. I feel like he's trended enough this week that we could touch on that. Oh, geez. But yeah, Haley's not really one of those guys. And I think they all kind of knew too, after like uh, Josh and I looked at each other and we were like, well, I don't know if he's going to get it done. He's almost six seconds behind. And he just ran up there like, it was nobody's business. And I think everybody kind of at that point knew too, like they, they really weren't going to have anything for him. And there comes the point where it's like, when, when you know that plus Haley too, why would Haley want to sacrifice a second place spot? I mean, that's huge for that team. So yeah, I, I think at a certain point, everybody was just focused on kind of running the race. Cause what was, was it chase Elliott third? Yeah. And Chase needs a third place more than anybody else in the world right now. So uh, you, you kind of have that mix of guys, too, that were just absolutely fine with running where they were running. I don't and I don't think they were absolutely fine with it. I honestly think Shane was too fast for them to make a move like that. Like, yeah, that's I mean, what I'm you I, could throw a dive bomb that's going to take yourself out more than likely. That's what I'm saying. It yeah. was all risk management where they, they were much rather – fine with getting their their second third place finishes than sending it in there and and risking you know doom so yeah i think you just had him being super fast with the mix of those guys were plenty fine with walking out of there with a top five and not you know crashing yeah Yeah, and 
Oh, go ahead, Josh. So, like, and to highlight uh, Chase's situation as well, I've obviously the big talk is must win, must win. But from what the math has been done, he needs an average 27.2 points per race to make the playoffs. And right now he's averaging 29.9. So realistically, he can easily point his way in if he just consistently finishes where he's been running. Oh, especially if you if you just race for stage points. I mean, there's a lot of people that – a lot of teams where it, it kind of like – escapes them sometimes i think and it's like man you're in the thick of a points race you should absolutely be staying out here to take eight bonus points at the end of stage one you know it's like i i, I hope they realize it um for his sake of getting in the playoffs and all that but um you know the better teams are going to find ways to move up in the standings and some teams might not so uh with the Chicago race Sunday, I didn't get to see a ton on social media. I was watching the race on my phone uh, at a wedding I was at, um, and it was at one of those venues uh, where they really market the unplugged. So it's like, uh, yeah, we purposely don't have any internet out here. And I'm like, that's a weird freaking way of selling things. But I uh, got a, uh, oh, I still need to give her a good review on Yelp. Or whatever she told me to but waitress gave me the wi-fi password we finally got it going i uh, got to see parts of the middle of the race but i believe like the last 17 laps um and yeah i didn't really know about the shortening thing i only knew what you guys were in the telling me in the group chat uh so i i found that out at some point i'm like why it just changed from 100 to 75 i guess guess there's less laps to go and uh yeah weird weird set of circumstances for a race and like a entirely weird thing in general but i think the guy that deserved to win it still ended up winning um and then the ratings came back and they were stellar so i believe it yeah. go ahead they i mean they surpassed what i ever would have thought that they were going to be so um i mean it they were blown out of the water it was insane how good they were so the numbers are uh 4.632 million people watch the race uh 2.52 rating um i don't really know the science behind the rating number uh but that's the best tv numbers uh for non daytona 500 race uh since the 2017 brickyard 400 held on the oval uh in indianapolis um basically two things there like the brickyard needs to come back and, and we've said that before on here that's not a new take uh and then the really specific numbers which i don't always like feel the need to analyze feel the need to take a deep look at it but chicago had by far the most percentage wise of people in their city watching the race it was 9.3 percent of the city of chicago tuned into the race and that tripled what how many people in chicago watch the daytona 500 yeah the people there said it was a very large clash of cultures and in a, in a good way too um which is just so cool and it's it's more of you know trying to get, get a wider broader audience involved in nascar and um i mean i just i think it was a win overall yeah absolutely a massive massive win for what this event was um I, the takeaways i had at least from the rating stuff is 
it's a holiday weekend. Um, the whole city of Chicago tuned in. That can only be good uh, for the future of this race. I believe the contract's three years. I think they have to mutually agree on if they're going to run it again next season. Um, and there's a lot of politics behind that with the mayor, but uh, I would look at those numbers and be like, damn, this is, uh, I guess we're going to do this now because it was pretty damn successful. So that's, yeah, I mean, go ahead. The thing with the city is they're, they're not going to care about the TV numbers. They're going to care about their bank account. So ultimately, you know, if, if the mayor says, okay, this went fairly smooth and the city made a lot of money on it, um, that's going to come into how good were the crowds? Because if you bring in, you know, 40,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand people into the city, those people are eating at your restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, at your hotel, stuff like that. So but in, in that, that same course with TV numbers, you can sell that people are seeing your city. Number one, you're getting all this good PR for your city. And there's a lot of local sponsors that are going to attach their name to the Chicago race or come on cars that are in the race. So I think there's a little bit of happy medium there and the crowd situation definitely sucked. Um, with how the weather was, but we'll obviously we'll see on that down the road. Yeah, that's definitely the thing that they had working against them. And so the other thing I had is I like I'm full on on this cake now. You guys have heard it already too. Uh, but always race on holidays. I'll, every holiday weekend, NASCAR should be on the track. No ifs, ands, or buts. Don't care if it's Easter, Mother's Day. Um, I, I don't know Dale Earnhardt's birthday. I I don't care what holiday we're celebrating. We're gonna have a race during it. I mean, when do they not? Literally the only off weekend this year was Father's Day. I want, to say in the, I want to say in the past five or six years, the only times they've taken off weekends were one for the Olympics um, and the other ones were surrounding either Mother's or Father's Day or Easter. I don't think they've ever had Mother's Day. Mother's Day is always like a Darlington weekend. Right, but they should always be racing on holidays. If they want to maximize TV numbers, race on every holiday. If you have an it's exhibition so race in the off season, race it on Thanksgiving or Christmas. It's so weird to me because like that, having them on holidays limits my ability to watch the races. So I, I think, but I think I, no, everyone's like with their families and stuff. It's like everyone turn on the race and watch, watch what's going on. Well, I guess my family's different despite literally like half of my family enjoying watching racing. Like if the family's together, we're not watching racing like we're we're doing other things like i had to pretty much stop and interrupt like what my family was doing so that i could watch the race on on uh for chicago i should say you're just not doing it right what you have to do it caleb is get there early find the remote program the tv now there's a sneaky way you can do it where you can like have it set to like at one o'clock it changes to the channel the race is on and then you hide the remote control like in your backpack and everyone's searching the entire house for this remote and the tv's stuck on the race oh no what are we gonna do it's in your back hit the buttons on the tv <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I got too much money to have buttons on my TV. We got nice stuff here. Okay. It was like my Samsung TV has buttons on it. <laughs> I know the one I'm looking at right now. Like, I don't have a remote for it. It's all HDMI, <laughs> two HDMI cords, and a laptop and a PS5, and that's that's our TV setup here. But yeah, um, no, I think uh, like overall whole 
everything like encompassed into it to have that good of ratings on a rain race i'd never thought you'd see that and i mean everything got hit out of the park this week so i one last thing i want to touch on on that on the like shane van gisbergen winning some people think it makes nascar look silly and stupid i would say it's the opposite because you should probably just look at all racing series and think of everything for what it's worth I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. I don't, but I don't think NASCAR looks stupid there. Yeah, like it would look better if an NASCAR regular won it, but it's not going to be bad to have one road course ringer win one race. Well, but the, and and that's here's the thing. You have the the testament to the fact that he has very much like this was such in his wheelhouse. Obviously, there was a lot of news for him and everything like that but it was it was so much in his wheelhouse but like it's a testament to the nascar guys too that we have gone this long without like an actual road course ringer coming in and winning the race and especially on a first start i just i think the history shows the testament to the the nascar guys but i think you want these things you want the jonathan davenports to come in and you want them to be successful you want the you know svgs of the world to come from where they are and you want them to come over here and be successful if they come over and they run 36th why do people in australia want to tune in that's not you know they're not going to want to watch the race if jonathan davenport's going to come race at dirt bristol but everybody knows that he's going to finish 30th those guys aren't going to tune in. You you want it to be good. You want to showcase how good those guys are in the world compared to, you know, the country's best, but you, you want to showcase that because to me, I don't look at it and I say, Oh wow. NASCAR guys are so bad. I look at it and I'm like, Holy cow. He really is, you know, that, that good of a talent. And it, it just, for me, it's like the best of both worlds. I don't, I don't understand the people that, you know, look at it one way or another. Yeah, I completely agree. And for those not watching the YouTube, uh, Caleb did air quotes around, uh, the best in the world. I just thought that needed a little added context. He wasn't like taking a pause to say like NASCAR has the best drivers, nobody else. Uh, uh, There, there's some really good drivers and then there's some that, you know, probably shouldn't be there but yeah and that's you know it's a uh always a balancing act in motorsports is the pay for play guys and who really deserves to be there and the guys that get in there but like you know this car what's that it's okay so kind of sidestepping as i'm thinking about this because if you think about it too how much has have the audience and it's not going to be like an overwhelming amount but like now lately you've got connor daly running indycar and nascar you know, pretty fluently. Cody Ware has done it back to back. Uh, we'll have to redact that name now. You know, history has not treated that good. <laughs> you know, but then too, you've got like Marco Andretti has came, uh, ran Xfinity. Now he's going to run trucks this weekend. It's, I, I defy people to tell me what's wrong with that because I think it, it intermixes the fans so well. And I'm, I'm all for, you know 
getting getting the IndyCar people to kind of pay attention more to the NASCAR people and vice versa. Yeah, and that's like I'm all in on stuff like that. When you read about big races, you had like this guy came over to race the Indy 500 from F1, and this guy was carrying this flag, and this dude was a bigger name over here and, and moved over and now he was killing it in IndyCar and this race like was going to kick ass, you know, and then this guy died. Um, that part of the book sucks when you're reading those stories, but all these old races are like the culmination. The ones that get talked about for years and years are the culmination of entry lists that have such a variety of talents from different aspects of the sport. And I think you want more of that. You need more of that. And to see so many IndyCar guys and other guys, uh, supercars, obviously, and stuff coming to run NASCAR is fantastic. And now I go to NASCAR and I'm like, hey, race during all the holiday weekends. You can have one or two off weekends a year. Knoxville Nationals, World 100. If it doesn't work for that one and you want to have a race on one of those, move it to a different big dirt race. Have an off weekend for that and see how many NASCAR guys go and race uh, dirt lay models or sprint cars. Like, There's so many guys who dip their toes into that water in the past few years. And it'd be so cool to see a lot of them on the track at the same time. And that's where I want to see more of like the SRX series get to as well. Like I want, I, they're getting to be too much of like a NASCAR, a NASCAR series. I think they're, I think they're set up pretty diverse this year. I don't have the entry list in front of me or anything, but uh, it's it's a lot of like stock car guy. It's 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 just a lot more, and maybe it's they just announced Austin Dillon racing too, which is my other thing. Is it it's not really bode well for my star, argument? Is it really the superstar racing series now that we've got people like him racing? Okay, we okay. You, we have okay. Do, no, have, no, no. You can't do that without bringing up Haley Deegan. Don't. I was no, just oh, gonna I, say I take Dylan over Deegan. Yeah, seriously. Oh, I, no, but, I mean, she's fully in that boat too. But okay. Well, if you're talking about like, you, do they need bigger name brands? Because like, who's the bigger one between Austin Dillon and Joseph Newgard? Right. Like, I obviously Newgarden's a better talent, but I was. Gonna I say honestly that. don't know who would know more people who has more fans out there. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't want them to get too NASCAR heavy on stuff because I, I enjoy like, I seriously, I want them to go to a dirt race and have like the Brian Browns. I want that. Like, I want to see those guys compete against, you know, a couple NASCAR stars, but then like a Joseph Newgarden or Juan Pablo Montoya or like whatever, like I want to see of just fucking battle of motorsports all-stars and i know you're not always going to get those guys you know in the same place at the same time so it, it might be a little varied but I, yeah I, I just don't want it to become too nascar-y and i, I really want to see those guys racing against each other in kind of a for fun atmosphere because the problem is like marco andretti is going to come he's going to race trucks he's probably not going to do all that great he, he could surprise me, but you know, odds are he's going to struggle a little bit, but then people are going to look and say, Oh, well, NASCAR is way harder than IndyCar because he came here, but shut up. Like, I don't like that shit. Like I think even the F1 to IndyCar perspective, it's so, there's so many things that you can't even really compare, but I, like you, you look at it and you say, it's all about how you drive. Jimmy Johnson has struggled in some vehicles, but he's a freaking legend in some others. Like 
that we've seen guys do really good in Arca, struggle in trucks, do really good in Xfinity, then struggle in Cup, and you know, vice versa. Like it all just is dependent on how, you know your driving style and all that. So I, I hate when people compare and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I'm excited. I, I think we need to see more of the intermingling between all of motorsports because it just helps all of it. Yeah, and I think we're in the midst of, you know, times like that getting more frequent. I At least it seems to me like the last few years have seen a big uptick in that. And as opposed to before where it was pretty universal around the board, you kind of knew who was going to be at every big race. And it wasn't a lot of crossover guys. So I like seeing it. I think uh, I don't think many people hate seeing it. I think there's 5% of the fan base that's stupid and uh, had their feelings hurt that SVG won at Chicago. And that's like the end of the story there. But obviously it's still insane for him to win a great win for uh track house and how they're putting guys in that car uh, and specifically trying to reach crossover crowds. So I was surprised to hear they didn't have another race scheduled in that car this year. I thought they did. They do. They do. Where did I, what, did I read something wrong? Um, I don't know what race it is. Maybe, it's... maybe they just don't have a driver announced for it. And that's what I read. Yeah, they don't. Um, but no, I did see something. I might be the Indy road course. I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, bring, bring Shane back and get him a waiver. No oh God. <laughs> um, to, top off with the svg did you guys see the video of him in his supercar downshifting and how casual he is about it no but i saw the burnout burnout was sick the burnout was sick here i'll send it to the group chat it's just mesmerizing how this dude just drives with ease in the supercars i mean he just I mean, obviously the way the shifter is set up helps a lot but he just like as you watch it like he drives one-handed like like some at one point he has no hands on the wheel like it's just so relaxed so i think that's the other thing to mention too is he was shifting with the hand opposite of what he normally is used to and it's not so much shifting but your the hand that you're keeping your base on and in your steering with that's different and that's a big thing um uh, yeah, there, there's just, there's so many things. I think you got to mention too, like going in before we go back to the shifting. That's two in a row now for Trackhouse, right? Correct. Technically, yes. Uh, what do you mean technically? I mean, technically, it's two in a row. Okay. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird word to throw I in. Didn't, I don't really have any reason to do it, but I figured I'd laugh <laughs> a little bit. So. So I. Like, I, I know the circumstances are very different, but, like, kind of a thing to watch here as we go into the next couple weeks. Yeah. I just uh, I just oh love how, like, going back to the video is how he's literally, like, obviously the shifter's next to the wheel, but he's literally hitting it with his arm to downshift. Like, he's keeping both hands on the wheel and just downshifting without even taking his hand off the wheel. Like, it's just so casual. We're ready to move on. Josh is mesmerized watching Ginsburg and Drake. It's just it so, is cool. It is sweet. Like, I don't get me wrong. Um, that car like, has a lot point, of levers, by the way. Yeah, at one point he got the hand on the shifter and he just takes his other hand off the wheel. 
And then he just puts his hand down on his lap. And at one point, there's no hands on the wheel. <laughs> Some people are really good at driving race cars. And you'd be... Right? I've told you guys Shane Golubic only drives with one hand, right? Oh, there's... So, there's a lot of... Well, I shouldn't say a lot of, but I know several really good drivers that race with one hand. Um, we've got a, a local guy here that always races with one hand. When he raced a legend, he literally had his other hand sitting on the window um, because he he would just steer with one hand the whole time. I know another guy that always had one hand on the wheel, and then he actually had the other on like the roll bars behind him because he could actually feel the back of the car moving a little bit better, and that's why he did it. But some of those guys, they actually prefer to drive with one hand, um, and, it, and it really makes sense when I listen to why they do it, and I – tried it myself while racing i don't think i could ever do it but essentially when you on ovals too you're you have a tendency with your right hand or your left it, it really depends but you have a tendency with one hand to pull more than the other and so you're kind of uneven with how you're turning the wheel um, so with one hand, they can be a lot more smooth, um, and they're not getting that uneven pull from their hands. Yeah. And I can, you know, obviously it's all on like a circular axis, right? Is that the right word for that? But I guess yeah. like having one hand, you know, exactly where the axis is the entire time. You well, yeah. Where your point of input is coming from in your head and you're just muscle memory on every turn rather than probably more variable to that racing with two hands, but obviously yeah. some guys do two hands. So, well, and I, I, so here's the thing too. It, it's so, cause it's so hard to explain, but next time you're in your car and you go and you make a turn, like think about how you're turning with two hands and think about the pressure that you're putting on with both hands, because one of them isn't pulling as much and one of them is pulling harder. And then if you go and you do the corner with just one hand, you'll feel like, how much of a smoothness difference there is. And that's, that's really what it's key to because not enough emphasis get, gets put on how smooth you're taking those corners. And that's why I think Dana Kapatrick always struggled. And this is, I know like we diss on her and stuff, but I truly think this is why she always struggled because if you ever watch her in-car cameras, every corner she takes, she's, she's doing this the entire time. And it, you just, you scrub off so much speed when you're constantly fighting the wheel. And there was never a scenario where like it, she just wasn't fighting. So the smoother you can be through that, it, it makes all the difference. And you're, when you got both hands on the wheel, you have a tendency to like overcompensate with one of them. So every time I watched the Danica Patrick in car camera, she'd take her hands off the wheel and then take her gloves off and then take her helmet off. And then it would come up with a GoDaddy logo and said, go to GoDaddy.com to see what happens next. Don't bonk me. That is unbonkable. Those commercials were insanely stupid. Oh, everyone knows what they were doing. Um, weird times anyways uh let's go to indycar we'll talk a little dirt um jackie is going to join us to talk about she went to chicago so she's going to talk about her experience at the race i might put it here uh in the podcast so i don't know what i'm going to do yet but 
Yeah, actually, let's do that. If you're at this point, uh, Jackie is coming up next. This meeting is being there we go, Caleb's. Uh, this meeting's being recorded. Notification is coming on, coming in hot. Tell me. <laughs> uh, we're joined by uh, Jacqueline Cordova. Uh, she does social media stuff at Cyclone Fanatic for us. Covers all the uh, wrestling and stuff. Big home schedule this year for the Cyclones. I think they just started selling season tickets. So get yours. That's a free yeah. ad for Iowa State wrestling. I hope dresser <laughs> dresser needs to get on the pod preview the Knoxville Nationals for us. But oh, Jackie, I'm sure. I'm sure he's a big racing fan. I, I bet you I could get him in front of a TV to watch race cars for 30 minutes, and I guarantee he would have some good hot <laughs> I would pay money to watch you entertain him for 30 minutes. So, so Jackie was uh, live and in attendance boots on the ground at Chicago this weekend, um, which just sounded miserable from what you guys were able to do. Uh, but take everyone through how, how was the weekend? How was Saturday compared to Sunday? And did you, did you get to the track to eventually see the race on Sunday? Yes, I did. I did watch the race, um, from the actual like grounds or track, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, just cause I wasn't really like on the track per se. Well, that's good, um, but I um, don't want to be on the track necessarily. <laughs> Technically I did get on the track once the race was over, but we'll get to that. Right. Um, so Saturday, as many people who I'm assuming are listening to this, know the rain kind of put a damper on the day. So, um, Saturday kind of sucked in that we got there and we really only got to see, I don't even know what I watched to be honest on Saturday, which is probably really crappy of me, but we just like got there and we're kind of taking in the whole setup of the space of where it's held at. Um, and so I only really saw the cars on the track for maybe 10 minutes at most. So really Saturday for me was going and seeing the lay of the land and getting to eat the food. Um, and then going into Sunday, obviously the delays kind of sucked. We didn't, go downtown because I was staying in Wrigley. We didn't go downtown until like the race had started and it was clear the rain was going to stay away. So we got there after, um, the, I think they were like 20 laps in, I forget. What is it called? The phase phase one. Is that what it is? Stage, stage one. It was stage the one. race. And I don't think anyone can blame you for not knowing what you saw on Saturday. Cause from that race, like you didn't, there was nothing to take away from the first half of the race. And then they canceled it all together. Uh, you yes. can't even talk about that. The canceling of the first yeah, Caleb, Caleb's supposed to keep me on track with things. That's his job description. <laughs> I wasn't even on the schedule, so we did stay on track. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I didn't put on the rundown. But, yeah, they, like, canceled Saturday. Obviously, they didn't get it back going and just called it, uh, which is better than, I guess, if they went and caution lapped them for three laps or anything. Uh, but, yeah, Saturday, there wasn't too much to take away. Aside from that, the cars <laughs> ran well in qualifying. They were fine. There's a couple, like, bad looking accidents i would say but like no one got hurt or anything so like that was a positive for me yeah like i said saturday all i can say is the food was good the food was good <laughs> so the uh security people were like kicking everyone out right before yeah so saturday we kind of realized so my biggest my biggest complaints and criticism of the weekend is the way 
they did the logistics of it. Like they only had one entrance to the entire space. So really where this, where this was held is, um, where they do Lollapalooza, which is huge and it is massively attended. And my friend, Julie, who I was with, you know, she attends Lala every year. And she's like, I need you to come to Lala this year, just so you can see what it looks like to run something really well in this space. Cause it's kind of like a gigantic park essentially. So you enter through one single gate and then you have to walk through a lot of nothing. They had like really random, like activations. They had like, someone was painting a car live and then there was three separate cars set up. I can't tell you what they were, but you have to like travel into it before they even officially scan your badge. Security didn't even check our bags. They were kind of arguing when we got there, which just made it kind of chaotic for people. And then once you're into the grounds, then you have to kind of, again, walk through a lot of nothing before you get to the fountain, which I'm sure they had a lot of shots of on TV. I heard it's a felony to jump in the fountain, which I deplorably, (laughs) I, I disagree with. I think that's a stupid law. It's the next one we should change. No, there's definitely no way you're getting that fountain. Well, I guess with their security at this, who knows, you could have. But the general admission area was kind of its own island. Um, you went you went over this bridge that went directly over the track, which is where I got that picture I sent you. They were really strict about not obviously letting people just stand on this bridge. But like I managed to sneak a good photo of when the cars were just getting warmed up. But so it was kind of a disaster um, just getting to where GA was. And this is what I was texting C-Dub when I was telling him about how it was going is that for me, I wanted to watch the actual race and the way this space is set up. You're only really going to be able to see the actual race if you get there early enough and you're within like the first three, four rows of people who line up against the fence. Yeah. You're like, and that's kind of the case at a lot of road courses. I like even gateway. So we, the media center at gateway in St. Louis, it's an oval track. It's kind of like Darlington um, where one turn is a bit wider than the other, but like the only viable spot on the track in the infield that you can see everything that's going on is 10 feet in front of this gigantic ass television Yeah, because you can't see the other (laughs) half of it. And it's like, like, that's the only spot you can stand. And that's usually a road course. You're going to see one corner and then whatever's on the video screen. So you got, you got got the concert, right? Well, so the, the thing with the screens is there just weren't any, Like there, there weren't any, there was the only screens that were available were the ones on the main stage, like that large stage they set up for their concerts that they ended up canceling. Yeah. Um, Those were the only screens available. So again, I'm someone who wanted to watch the race. So it was just like very agitating the way that it just, you either had to go sit in that lawn in front of that stage. Otherwise you weren't going to see it. And then like their big, like Bush light tent, it was like really small screens. So it feels like the people who planned it, who planned the logistics of it, just have no idea what a race fan would want. And then the NASCAR people who were there to make a race happen, made sure that happened correctly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, so it was just, yeah, it was kind of a mess, but. And I'm not sure who they, Caleb, do you know who they would like, would they bring in a company to plan the event and stuff? Or is that? Uh, 
that's yeah i don't know it is not like nascar i don't know the the tv it had to have been annoying as hell to get the text from like sober connor uh to drunk jackie like why aren't you standing by the tv screens there's got to be some around there you did you did text me that and i was like there's nothing i had no clue there was actually nothing (laughs) so it's hard because it's like obviously i'm very new to nascar like i'm very interested in it but coming into it from attending the indy 500 oh this race looked like nothing compared to the setup at the indy 500 there's screens everywhere like even if you're up against the fence it's there's a hill so everyone gets to watch so it's really hard to compare because it's all i have it to compare to but yeah there really wasn't any screens and we can definitely get into the attendance of it but like for fans who weren't there to really because they cared about the race who were just there because it was a fun you know, thing to do for the weekend. Probably people didn't have a lot going on. So they're like, Oh, this sounds like fun. This is not like <laughs> the best experience and give or take, no one can control the rain. You cannot control the rain. I'm sure if it had been sunny and beautiful all weekend, it could have been a very different conversation. But well, I when said, we came- I've been on the record multiple times saying that Kenny Chesney would still have played with no shoes on. He would just, well, he would have but- just walked out there and played. <laughs> it's a shame they didn't book Kenny Chesney. Well, I don't even think it had anything to do with the performers themselves. It sounds right. like no, it, it was, was bad. Chicago. It was lightning. Yeah, it wasn't. I'm being facetious. It, like, <laughs> shitty. Was there any concerts on Sunday that you were like really amped to see, or were you more excited for the race? Honestly, I was just really amped up for the race. I think Miranda Lambert was going to be there. I think, I yeah, I think I you're right. That. I truly, I had no idea what all the other entertainment was. Like, all I had in my brain was, I'm going to go watch my first NASCAR race. We got to get you so, to the Knoxville Nationals this year, and we'll see what you think of that compared to Indy. Yeah, I need I need to go to something different because, and I would like to go to a NASCAR race that is at an actual track where you know it's planned differently. But what I told CW is I would do it again. I would just like to pay for like a bleacher seat so I can actually sit and watch. The issue is that this was a really expensive event. Like this yeah, they really, price really gouged like worse than Kansas City for the Big Twelve tournament. Like I think my ticket was like two hundred and fifty bucks or something, and it was general admission. Like I said, the view the views were very limited, and when you take away concerts and you take away about majority of the space because it's raining and everything's wet and mushy, and you're really limiting <laughs> the resources for the amount of cost because yeah those bleacher seats were super expensive i looked it up just for fun and there's no way (laughs) there's just no way yeah it it was crazy the amount that it it was just like so much more than what a normal race weekend would be how was the like activation and advertising for it around the town because the number that stuck out to me after the entire weekend was three times as many people or the number the number from chicago tripled um is how many people watched the daytona 500 to the chicago street race and it's hard to find that in any race let alone tripling what you had for how many people in chicago watched the daytona 500 to this street race in the middle of july and we're like talking viewership numbers. Like yeah, yeah. So they TV had on. it was like nine per nine point three percent of the city of Chicago watched this weekend's race, and like three point four watched the Daytona Five Hundred. 
Well, honestly, I'm sure it's because it's the city's first time hosting something like this. So I assume people were just like, holy crap, there's a NASCAR race down the road. We don't have tickets. Let's just turn on a TV and watch it. Because hypothetically speaking, if I just went into the city this weekend, give or take, I am more of a racing fan than the average Chicago resident. But I assume that people were just like, oh, there's a street race literally downtown where I walk every day to work. Let's watch it. Because there was a lot of people down there who were just standing on the outskirts of it. There were like people, I don't know if you saw it, but there were like pictures of people in just really obnoxious ways trying to look over the fences. So I think a lot of it was curiosity. I heard that 80% of people who attended the race this weekend, it was their first time going to a NASCAR race, which I can guarantee a very small amount of that 80% was people who were like, I'm a NASCAR fan. I have a driver I support. I'm going to go because I'm going to go do that. Like, I'm sure it was just a lot of people who were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the only, we talked about this in the last segment. That's like the only spot where Shane Van Gisbergen winning like sucks. That's the only thing. Cause that's the second time in my lifetime I've seen a race with attendance like that. They did it when they had the clash at LA at the Coliseum the first time it was 70% of the crowd was new fans that hadn't been to a race before. So it's cool to see that, that you can make an even bigger number, especially if you just put it in the heart of Chicago. And I do think some people like you think street race, you're like, well, so can I just go to my work building and wash out the window? Right. Which, you should be so, able to, if it was, yes, you know, you could because so what we had agreed on originally was going into Sunday, we had told ourselves again, we thought there'd be no rain was we were going to go down there. Cause the gates opened at nine originally was we were going to run around all morning, like hang out, eat, drink. And then we were going to go to our friend's building where she works. And we were, excuse me, we were going to watch it from her building from like the top floor of this building that overlooks um, part of where they were racing on. So I'm sure plenty of people did that. And it probably was a better view. than. Why didn't you guys go there? Well, because we didn't get down there until the race had already started. Uh, Once we were in it, like I said, you have one exit. So it's like, once you're in there, you're in there, you're committing. (laughs) So... So, yeah, that's yeah. the one entrance exit thing seems weird to me. I think like IndyCar did Nashville and they did it over the bridge and stuff. And they had like four different entry points just from the map when they first put that race out this year. Uh, so that's kind of odd. Yeah. I think part of me thinks they did that just over staffing. Um, you don't want to staff four gates, two gates. So you just want to focus on the one, which is again, very chaotic, but. It is what it is, right? <laughs> the yeah. race has come and gone. And then the only other thing I what were your thoughts? Uh, did you, how much like the celebration did you see from Shane and what did, what did you think of him winning? So C-Dub obviously was texting me freaking out about how I literally just witnessed history, which I think is so funny because the last time I went to my first hockey my first hockey game was in chicago and i also witnessed history at that one and i didn't even know what was going on so i from my perspective when he you know finally got that lead over chase and i can't remember who the guy was and justin haley yes i was like wow he's booking it like his pace is incredible (laughs) like this is awesome 
but I was so focused on Chase because that's who I've just decided, you know, I've adopted. <laughs> oh, we got another Chase fan over here. Hell yeah. Which I would like to discuss my fandom to Chase Elliott in, in a minute. But I like, we watched it on the big screen and I'll tell you what, I'm sure a lot of people had no idea the significance of this win and who he was in his background. But like everybody around me that was in that GA lawn, there's tons of people sitting watching it on the TV, absolutely erupted. They were so excited for him. So I'm sure the overall like fan, like reaction to him was very, very exciting because it was a lot of people who were probably just very excited to see someone win. <laughs> yeah. You're going to, uh, you're going to think I'm dumb asking this too, but I don't know how long you stayed around there. Apparently Shane was just walking around and like taking pictures with people. Like it was like three hours oh, after the race or something. I saw a picture of him with like two kids with a skateboard. Oh my gosh. And it no, was like I live time. That's awesome. I wish I would have known that. So once they allowed everyone to leave, they opened the gate. The problem is, is that they opened it, but they had all these people like blocking us from like being able to take pictures or really be on the track long. So I took like a quick selfie just to say, Oh, I took a picture with the track or the street where they drove on, but they were very strict about funneling people, which I wish they wouldn't have. I understand why, because Literally, I'm not kidding you, where we exited, if you just looked right, there were already drivers getting loaded up into their trucks. So I understand the crowd control, but I think it would have been fun if they had a way to encourage fans to go celebrate with them. It makes me think of, and don't scrutinize me for bringing this up, it makes me think of F1 when they kind of open whatever gates or whatever door, whatever it is they do. Where Cause, the yeah. Cause they kind of open it after the race and like yep. fans can at least go up to this like fenced off area. Yeah. Celebrate with the pit crew and mm -hmm. driver. If he comes over there to celebrate with his pit crew. Right. That's Which is what I sweet. Think yeah. Cool. So I thought it was really cool to see him when, um, I think that's why I love street courses so much, at least because I watch F1 is that on those street courses, there's just way more room for, unconventional things to happen. Um, and it just gives people like him the opportunity to win where in a normal environment, they probably might not be able to have the same type of pace on those more dominant drivers. Yeah. I think on, so. on road courses, I think he'd hold his own just as much as, uh, most guys will, but yeah, which I'm sure he can. I've just, I've never, I don't really watch NASCAR super, super heavily. So. Yeah, no, you're, you're all good. I think you're correct. You're probably like on the cusp of that argument. And like, I could push you over the edge and be like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I do like that street course, like chaos type of mm -hmm. like, Hey, this could go South at any time. And it also scares me watching it because if they had like a chaotic race, like they've had before and heavy rain and a lot of guys wrecked, then you're like, okay, this sucks. Everyone's turning it off. The ratings are going to sink. And somehow, some way it was the opposite for NASCAR. I think a big part of that is the holiday weekend deal, but at least you got to experience it a little bit. Hope someday we will have every security guard <laughs> need an ethics test of how to treat other human beings. And they'll all get that as regular training. They'll all be super nice people. We'll just <laughs> well, only hire Iowans as security guards from now on. No, then you're going to have a lot of people 
getting in areas they probably shouldn't. Which is fine. Usually I make for a good story and no one gets hurt. Like 95% of the time. It's just like fireworks. It's like playing with fireworks. Same exact type of situation. It was was a good experience. I think the city looked really cool. There were a few shots I saw from the TV that looked really cool where I think they were turning a corner and you could just see the normal Chicago traffic in the background, which I thought was really cool. That one photo, and I think it was Shane in the photo, but like the traffic was on the same kind of road behind the barrier and everything. That was sweet. Like imagine you're just driving over to your buddy's house for Sunday night and suddenly there's these cars. I just want to know how many people stopped and like just disturbed traffic. Like I'm going to just sit here and watch the race. Oh, I doubt they even could because this, the street that it, that was like right there, we had to walk through there just to get back to like the trains and all that stuff to mm-hmm. head back home. But there were a lot of police officers being very aggressive about keeping people moving and they had a lot of a lot of areas blocked off, so I'm sure it was just perfectly to where you could see them in the horizon, but they might not be as close as it seemed. So, out of out of ten, what do you rate your experience? And then tell me why you settled on Chase Elliott. <laughs> um, I think if I solely focus on Sunday night, I would say my experience was like a six, and I only really think I, I walk away from it thinking that because I had so much fun with the people I was with. Mm -hmm. I did really enjoy the race. I thought it was really exciting and it made me want to start watching it more heavily, which is the goal, right? You always want to pull in new fans and keep them engaged. So at least I can say I walked out engaged and I'm sure a lot of people did too. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are now going to consider throwing NASCAR on, even if it's on in the background, which is really great. It's what you want to do. It's probably, it's, Primarily, I'm sure the reason why they thought this was a good idea was to draw in new crowds, try something new. Um, but yeah, I just, I wish I could have seen more. I want to watch the race. I want to be like really close to it if I'm there, but it was kind of cool. I will say where I was sitting, I was watching it on the TV, but I could physically tell where they were in comparison to where I was physically sitting. And I memorized what the track, like what turn numbers were compared to where I was sitting. So it was kind of cool to hear them in the background and feel them and then be watching it on the screen. So that was kind of cool, a very unique experience you don't really normally get. So, um, but why did I pick Chase? So CW and I were driving and I think Connor, you were in the truck with us. We might Yeah, you guys driving. were gloating about how technologically advanced F1 was and where things were going. <laughs> Well, they are, <laughs> but we were, it was in the truck and I said, okay, if I want to get into NASCAR, how, how do I do that? Where should I start? And it was CW that was like, honestly, you should pick Chase Elliott. He's young. He's a good looking guy. He's good. So he's entertaining. His only he's negative is he's not as hot as Ryan Blaney. <laughs> like that, that's really about it. Oh, and Caleb, Caleb says he's boring. Caleb hates Chase. Well, so. I agreed with CDAB. I followed him on social media. So I've been following him on social since that. I think it was last summer. I think we had this conversation last summer. And there was a guy that was in our group, huge NASCAR fan. He's a fan of number four. Who's number four? Kevin Harvick. Well, that's who he's a big fan of. And this guy is super nice. Like he was very, very nice. He, he was the guy like teaching everyone over the weekend, like what things meant and 
really helping them understand so they could be engaged. But the moment I made a comment about being a Chase Elliott fan, immediate reaction was like, roll of the eyes. Like, of course you like Chase Elliott. Like, of course you do. It's only because he's hot. Oh, which the Harvick fans have a big rivalry with him. And a lot of people do because he's the most valuable or not most valuable. I should say like most followed uh, or biggest fan base, maybe most bandwagonable driver to cheer for. Uh, but there was a race in 2021. I have that Christmas Chase Elliott shirt that Steph got me that says, uh, I think it says happy off season or says Merry off season and happy Christmas or something. Cause chase and Kevin had wrecked each other, both of the last two races and chase had drove up after being wrecked and was just in the mirror of Kevin Harvick and Kevin drove straight into the wall. Uh, and so Kevin, Kevin fans have not let that go clearly. Which I get it. I just, I should have warned you. I didn't, I didn't know the Intel there. I should have warned you and given you a couple of one-liners to throw at him. No, it's okay. Because I texted C-Dub and I told him and he was like, everyone always wants to hate on chase. And he was like, he was just agreeing with me, but I just hate that argument of, of course you like him because he's hot. I mean, at this point, does it matter why does it really matter what drew someone in? Because I know people make the argument for F1. Everyone's only into it because the drivers are hot. Okay, but why does it matter? People are still oh, waiting. I, like F1, watching. I would say it's solely because of the Netflix. Oh, yeah. I would say Drive to Survive is 100% like a big reason why they um, drew in such a large viewership, which is me. I started watching it because of Drive to Survive. But I think what's important to take away from that is that sure, I watched it because of a Netflix show. Sure, Chase Elliott is a young, hot driver and he's good. So it makes it fun, right? Like, who I'm sure a lot of F1 fans who thought, I'm trying to think, who think like, <laughs> I don't know, think the Haas drivers are, are hot, you know? And then they have to watch them just be really mediocre every Sunday. I'm sure they very quickly are humbled. But how did you I bring up how did you bring up hot drivers in F1 and go straight to the Haas pair? <laughs> because I was trying to think of a team that's not good. I'm trying to think of someone getting drawn in. I got and thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because Drive to Survive really makes Haas look super great. <laughs> but but no, I think I just hate when people make that argument because it's like, yeah, Chase is hot, but I'm not tuning in to watch it because he's hot. It's just a perk. It's just an added thing about the driver that I've decided to like, it does chase's attractiveness does not make me care about what, how are they driving? Like when, like, I guess with the street course is a little different, but like what I'm always trying to understand with NASCAR and you and I have texted about it before. It's like overtaking. What does that look like? When can they do it? What do the pit stops look like? What is the strategy in that? Like, those are things that takes full ass commitment to learn and be really into it. So I just hate when people immediately ridicule other people. I rather him have told me, Oh, I hate chase because he crashed into my favorite driver right. and say, Oh, you, of course you like the young hot guy, which is just so aggravating. It's, ki it's kind of like when hockey fans meet like a, uh I, I don't care. Yeah. I'll just like sound really misogynistic for a sec, but when hockey fans <laughs> meet like a really hot girl and she's like, yeah, I started watching hockey. I'm a Blackhawks fan. And like, that was the bandwagon team of the 2010s and it's gone away a little bit cause they've sucked. But like, that's kind of what chase is like, is like, Hey, you know, this guy won the championship. 
Jeff Gordon's replacement, kind of Bill Elliott's kid, like he inherited a lot of fan bases just to him. So that makes a lot of sense. Real quick. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's great. I get it. I, I get it. I have not loved racing my whole life. So it's, I'm coming in as a newbie, but I mean, you should always want people. I can't imagine being mad at someone telling me, oh, I'm really into college wrestling now because I thought this team had hot wrestlers. I'd be like, that's great. <laughs> Join it, watch it, add another number to the viewership. People right. were spending money. Like those lines for the merch, I'm telling you, I walked into that pro shop and the attendance I'm sure was way down to what they thought it was going to be because of the rain. But I walked in there and everything was sold out. Like there were bins just empty and there was tons of lines for the individual driver t-shirts. That's money going into the sport and these drivers. So you need fair weather fans. You need the people who just tune in because they thought someone looked hot. So they bought a t-shirt and bought a ticket. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, last thing I just wanted to add, Caleb, do you have anything from Jackie that I didn't ask her? No, I not, nothing that I've thought of. All right. Caleb's live from his bed, which is a fantastic <laughs> view. If you're watching on YouTube with his dog in the background, um, Caleb's awesome. Jackie's awesome. I do have to ask you being, you got into racing because of F1 Max Verstappen's led like the last 300 laps 800. has not even been touched. What do yep. you think about this F1 season? You know, <laughs> I am not a Max hater. Let's start there. I really love Max Verstappen. I think he's awesome. I think he's funny. I don't think people give him enough credit about how funny he is, but that takes, you know, time and commitment. Of I say that out. I say the same about Chase. Just no one gets his humor. <laughs> well, it's like you have to want to sit and watch the videos that are posted. And there's just people who hate him and want to think of him as the same guy who joined F1 back when he was just, you know, a very like, snooty young guy who was ready to prove to the world he was the best with a with a dad too that like just clearly <laughs> would not let him finish second in a race and do stupid fucking things when he finished yeah max clearly has daddy issues but <laughs> i will say it it does suck obviously when max is leading by 20 seconds and there's just nothing he can do watching him pit. What was it with one lap left or two laps because he wanted to get the fastest lap. Like obviously those things kind of suck. And I will say exactly what Max Verstappen himself said in an interview that he really wishes Charles could had a better car, a faster car so they could really have more back and forth. I don't I think, think he does, funny. but that's fair. I think it's funny. That's just how bored he is with how good he is. And he's like, God, I wish I had some competition but i will say i think because i've just decided i love this sport and i'm a full fully committed fan to it i'm still focused on that second and third and i'm watching who's in that top five like i was irate with the fia and all the freaking uh black and white flags and having carlos Sainz lose his original finishing spot because of them so I think there's still plenty you can focus on and enjoy. It's just, I know that when you're a newer fan, your goal is to watch people, you know, fight for that top spot to be the world champion. And it's kind of hard to be tuned in when you're just like, Oh, I'm, I'm rooting for third. I'm rooting for fourth. 
Yeah. Do you, uh, you, and you're like a big Carlos Sainz fan, right? Like that's your number one. Yes. Okay. Do you think it's that's more, do you think it's more car one, car two at Red Bull is just that strong and they're always going to strategize with Max's best options in mind rather than Carlos's? Or do you think Max is that much better than both Carlos and everyone else in the field? Are, I mean, did, I did I just hear you correctly? Yeah, can what did you, I say? What? Wait, okay, thank you. Did I ask you? Do you think like obviously the team is going to prioritize the strategy for Max because he's in the first car? Yeah, and who is Max's teammate? It's signs, isn't? Did I just? Oh, I did. I literally just switched signs and Perez in my head. <laughs> okay, I'm, that's good. At least you got. No, so I had to remember Jackie's favorite driver was named Carlos Signs, <laughs> and I just switched him and Sergio Perez completely around in my head. In your defense, anyway, I, am I met so I met Perez, Perez the whole time, but Carlos no, Sainz is nice and hot to Jackie at least. Great looking guy. Um, <laughs> no. I love Perez and I obviously would love to see him get more, but I think when you're Christian Horner, it's kind of hard. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a list, right. Of things that Max probably is trying to hit and records. He's trying to break that he hasn't already. And then there's Checo who's just really fighting to get more podiums and have like a solid fight for second place in the overall and I mean, we saw it last season where Sergio would get, you know, chosen over Max because it just made more sense. And look at all the drama that happened. <laughs> but I think when it comes to Red Bull specifically, it is very clear Max is number one, Checo is number two. It's just unfortunate that Max is, I don't even know if to blame Max, but like, why couldn't have Checo had a chance at the fastest lap, you know? And give or take this race specifically, Checo really had to put in some work to get up to where he even finished to get on the podium after starting. And I don't even know what spot he even started anymore, but I think it's hard to see Checo in the position he is because I want him to be at Red Bull. I like him in a Red Bull car, but it's hard to make an argument for him when you have Max Verstappen, who's clearly going to be the world champion. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I, that's all I got for you. Thanks for uh, doing that. I swear to God, I wa I'm watching F1. <laughs> I'm paying attention to F1. I was going to say for Mr. Always Race Day. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> when you have Carlos and then Charles <laughs> and then a Checo, whose name's Sergio, it's like you're just head ass backwards the entire weekend. If you're not looking at their photos with their driver's seats on. I have had a lot of friends ask me why Sergio goes by Checo, but it's, it's just a nickname. It's just like you call people named Richard and you call them Dick. It's basically the same thing. It's just what they do in Mexico. Absolutely. All right. Well, Fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Now they do, uh, they do the same thing in Australia with uh, Lachlan and they call him Lockie. Okay. That's, like, that's a big thing in down there for sprint car racing and those guys. So it's similar. Everything's around, th but thanks for sharing your Chicago stuff. We'll have you on again. We'll get you, we'll get you smarter and tuned up on IndyCar and NASCAR and all that and get you down to the nationals and we'll, we'll have a party down there. 
Hey, I have drivers for all three now, right? I have Pato in Indy racing and I have Jace in NASCAR. I just got to start watching more. I need, I need to stop honestly, because you have no idea how much money I've spent on merch. I'm like, <laughs> I like, you, need, you need to like, ask me like where the red bubble stuff is at for some of that. <laughs> like there's some cool stuff on there. It's all right. I only bought two t-shirts at NASCAR, but I did get a little crazy at Indy since it was like a lot cheaper than I anticipated. So right. I do own like three paddle award shirts. <laughs> they, do, they do a ride at Indy. Do you want to tell the Indy 500 story about what you texted me? Or do you want to keep that off the record? <laughs> I may or may not have mentioned it on that podcast. I don't remember that. Oh no. Is it when I texted you <laughs> to tell me updates? Jackie was trying to find, I don't know if you were trying to find the concert stage or a big screen or what, but you had texted me, give me updates on how Pato's doing. Like you think he has a chance, right? And he was like leading the race with 10 laps to go under caution. And the next caution that brought, that got put out there was the one he wrecked in. And Jackie said, how about now? What do you think his chances are now? And I said, far <laughs> worse than they were before. Okay. I would like to take the scene. Yeah. I would like to pay the scene because I went, I went from the snake pit because I did have a snake pit pass because I wanted to see one of the DJs. So I did miss about part of the race and it's fine because in a messed up way, the crashes made it so I could watch the last 15 laps. And when I was texting you, I just gotten to a part of the um, fence. So I was in a, in a corner. I can't remember what car rack it was, but I was right in front of one of them. But where I was standing, the screen was just perfectly angled to where I could not see it. So truly, I was relying solely on Connor <laughs> because I had barely enough service to even pull up Twitter. And I'm, I'm sitting there confused because she's, I'm like, where is she at that she's not seeing that Pato just racked? Like, I would have thought oh. your friends was like, yeah, your guy just took a dump in the wall. No, we couldn't see it. The screen was just perfectly angled. And once, once you texted me that, I laughed and cried all at the same time because I was like, God, I probably sound so stupid. I knew it was, I knew like there was like a layering effect of so, I'm something I'm missing because it wasn't, it was pretty obvious that he wrecked and that was, but yeah. anyway, it was funny. It was he, a fun day. He, he zoomed by my turn and whenever he crashed, I was too far from it. Yeah. They're only going bad. 230 miles per hour. It's not like they're easy to see. Hey, I'll tell you what my last comment is I will be investing in the, like those big headphone looking earplugs. Yeah, things. the spotter, the type of stuff you can hear the radios on. Yeah, I want those big ones. That's what I've decided because, yeah, the Indy 500 was extremely loud. NASCAR one wasn't too bad only because of, I assume, their speeds just can't compare when they Are have they, so many. <laughs> they, have, they have mufflers for NASCAR <laughs> now. Uh, like part partially because they wanted to do the street race. This has been a thing they've been working on for four years. Uh, okay. But they have like mufflers on the cars where they're way quieter than they were before. That's fair because I can't even imagine the city people who had no interest and suddenly that's all they heard. For if, I, <laughs> if I put some investment money into it for your headphones, can we get you some of the monster truck tire ones and I'll put an always race day sticker on the side of it? 
How about I just get like a normal pair in black and we can put a stick? I'll, I'll throw in I'll throw in that it'll have like a replica grave digger on top of the headset. <laughs> oh my god. No, thank you, Connor, but I'll take a sticker. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for uh thanks for joining us, Jackie. Appreciate it. No, of course. Thank you for having me. All right. That was Jackie. Um, and what I can assume is just a fantastic interview with her. We haven't done it yet, but she's always awesome. So, uh, IndyCar, um, they got their biggest ratings, um, in two years, I believe, uh, for any race on USA network. Now it's clouded a little bit because there's a lot of people that had USA on waiting for the Xfinity race to start. Um, I believe it was 776,000 total viewers um, for their USA race. Um, from what I read, only 26,000 from Peacock uh, viewers. And that's uh, Peacock is what the race is exclusively on at Toronto later this month. So that'll be another bad one, a uh, bad number for them. But 776,000 uh, for IndyCar's race at Mid-Ohio on Sunday. Uh, pretty damn good numbers despite Alex Plew dominating. And I think it's still been really exciting. I think his drive to the front on Sunday was really exciting. There were big moments uh, throughout the race. It was a fine race. Um, but yeah, really a uh, solid weekend over in IndyCar. And I was curious what you guys thought of that TV number. Yeah. I mean, always, always good. You want to see success for IndyCar. Um, so I, it's good too. And, you know, I think, it could have been the craving for racing, you know, not getting Xfinity and having it on the same channel that people stayed or, you know, just part of the holiday weekend deal. And, uh, I feel like IndyCar at mid Ohio is always kind of one of those classics too, like that people always just enjoy watching. Um, uh, and everybody probably was hoping, you know, that Graham Rahal was going to go out and just lap the entire field. But yeah, I think everyone was it. club Rahal was open for business uh, with him being on the pole and his pit crew, his pit crew is not a member of club Rahal. They were taken, they were kicked out of the club for having fake IDs, not knowing how to jack up a IndyCar, a bad deal. But club Rahal is back open for business. We're, we're on the up and up top 10 finish this week. Yeah, it's can't can't wait for the next race when uh, we go. Right, that's the that's the best part of it. The next eleven days, marker. the next eleven days are Club Ray Hall days, man. There's nothing <laughs> bad can happen. But yeah, Alex Pillow is is walking away with this championship. Walking, he's skipping, dude. Well, he's doing car wheels. Like he's not, he's not walking whatsoever. He's moon walking away. Is it time to hit the panic button that Alex Pulu might get too far ahead? Well, that's I. If if we have a, a little bit of falter from Alex Pulu coming up, which I don't even know is going to happen at this point, but if we get that combined with, you know, this is about the time of the year that. Uh, Joseph Newgarden eats his spinach. We we could have a, a really good championship battle on our hands. Uh, it, the championship could also be over at this point. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of which side of the coin we're going to get here. Yeah, it's 110 back to Scott Dixon, 111 back, or 116 back uh, to Joseph Newgarden. Um, if Polo crashes out of a race this year, we're going to have a really good points battle is what I, that's my, like, <clears throat> we're going to need one uh, of those at least. 
what is what's what's his like last couple years at Iowa? What's he done? Um, he's uh, been around, but he hasn't been on the podium. I don't think. All fifth, the- fifth and ninth last year. Fifth and eighth last year. Oh, what a pull by Josh. So here's my thing on that is that's that's worrisome for the the guys in the championship because he's showing that he's solid enough there to hold on but he could with the speed he's got right now he could go out and just have a, a great weekend uh he does i mean he hasn't even josh, what win. the hell josh 13th uh, why'd you put a why'd you put a divider on his number what do you mean like averaged it with his average start I don't know. I I knew one was in the fifth, sixth area because I remember he was going at it with Johnson. It's still around, so like that counts, in my opinion. And you know what? My statement still stands. We're like, that's just good enough that I mean, he could definitely go out still and get a pair of top fives or even a top five, top ten. And at that point, it's going to be super hard for anybody to do anything about it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it's hard for somebody to be good for that long. So at some point, something's got to happen, right? Yeah. Um, that, and that's the big thing is, you know, when that happens, you have to be in a position to move forward. I thought Joseph running where he ran at mid-Ohio was, I dare I say, disastrous. Like, Very I mean, disappointing. Like IndyCar like, is so wide open that you can have that even on – a day that isn't bad, but when you're Joseph Newgarden, this spot in the standings right now at this point in the season, yeah, 13th is bad. I uh, can't do that. So I don't know. We'll see how they respond. I also just don't think it's like. Penske's got some issues the last couple of races. I don't think it's, it's not just Newgarden. Like Penske as a whole is struggling. And I know Will Power and Scott mclaughlin kind of finished good but their strategy that they did kind of set them in that position it's weird like they don't do road courses well they do street courses and ovals and they dominate and that's mostly because they have the best oval driver on the planet in an indy car uh in joseph newgarden but you know you got to wake up and do something if you want to make a dent in that points battle and you got to start now it's too late to go back eight races left in the year one at toronto two at iowa after that um and then it's down the final five so we'll see i think if you still can pick up 20 points a race you're good but that's a lot of a lot to ask in different situations you know that's uh between like a win in fourth place or go ahead caleb so am I hearing correctly that we're, we're saying that we should be hitting the panic button for Joseph Newgarden? Yeah, but you can't say that Penske. four races into the season. That was the whole point. I'm hitting the panic button on Penske. But here's the thing. I, me saying that is because, again, you, didn't, you guys don't understand. If what you I'm phrased saying. it differently, it would be like the pick of the year. Like you you would have been very well, accurate in thing. your thing, but you so, phrased it as it's time right now that we hit the panic button on Joseph Newton. And then I'm he sure. won the Indy 500 after that. If we go back and listen, I'm sure I probably didn't even get my full thought out before I was screamed over. So that so was probably were, part of it. All right, I'll let you talk now. I'll let you talk now. <laughs> Connor, Connor says... 
Well, if you would have worded it differently, but also probably didn't even let me finish my thought. I don't think we did. There's no, it was just such an asinine <laughs> thing to say after four. No, that, 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 was whole thing was, that was my whole thing is like where he was running at now, if he keeps it up, you, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. Like you have to have some sort of gumption. Yeah. He went out and won a race, but that's, that's not going to be enough. And, uh, even at this yeah, point. it was after four races of the season. Did he? Did Newgarden win one of the first four races, Josh? Yeah, Texas. So Newgarden had a win in the first four races. It would be like Stephen A. Smith if he ever talked IndyCar, getting stoned and accidentally talking about IndyCar on TV. That's what he would say four races in the year. Like hit the panic button on Joseph Newgarden. I I don't think I can do a good. Stephen A. Smith impression without just screaming into a microphone, but you can visualize it at home. All I'm going to say were right. is Caleb was right. Everyone needs to know Caleb was right. This, but this is, this is kind of what I foresaw coming was just, he's in a spot where like, yeah, he's doing fine. It's not going to win a championship. And you know, it, it's, it's hard because it's like, okay, yeah, he's won two races this year. He won the Indy 500, but he's not having his normal kind of season. Um, and, and that's really the, the issue. So we'll see. Uh, like I said, he's getting to the point where he usually eats his spinach and uh, we're going to see what happens coming up. Um, I've talked a lot this year about how the uh, Indy car field is the deepest it's ever been. And there's almost not like a weak point to the field. Um, finally, my, my <laughs> came head on. Uh, with I know Benjamin you're going Peterson. With yeah, Benjamin Peterson uh, pissed off just about everybody uh, that tried to pass him, racing every car that was lapping him for 25th. That was probably your best transition I've ever heard in my life. And <laughs> it, it took me a second, but I realized exactly where you were going with that. And that's I was just bad, man. Like, there's nothing good to say about it. It was just... So I, I missed Break It Down because I know there was at one point, uh, Josh had said the commentators were kind of giving him crap for being in the way, but break down exactly you know everything that happened because I missed that part of it. Josh, that's all you, buddy. So you have a better memory uh, than I do. So if I remember correctly, uh, Alexander Rossi caught Benjamin Peterson when it, and Rossi was behind McLaughlin. I want to say no behind Ray Hall by, I think it was 1.2 seconds by the time O'Ward passed Rossi, then passed Peterson. It was probably 12 seconds. Um, so there's that, and then there's, um, I think, who was leading it? Herta was leading the race, and he caught Peterson. And this one's a little bit more justified because he's trying to stay on the lead lap just in case if, like, caution comes out. But, like, all of a sudden, like, the gap from first to second from, I think it was, like, eight seconds shrunk to, like, three and then they finally got around him and it regrew to eight. And it happened again with Polo. Whoever was chasing him, Dixon, where Polo caught him. Yeah. And it was, and Peterson was already a lap down. And they re caught back up to Dixon, cut it down to like 4.8. And then Polo finally got around him and it stretched back out to like nine. I need, like no, it was, I I need no I on here just for five seconds to say lap cars have no rights. 
Do it in his Noah voice. His real, like, slightly pissed off, but like affirmative action. I I wonder if IndyCar has like kind of the same rule like NASCAR does, where if you're not, you know, within a certain percentage, because that seems like that probably would have came into play there. He was running twenty fourth. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying as far as like if you're slower than a certain percentage of the leader's speed. Yeah, but it, like NASCAR's rule on that, like it's really hard to be that slow. Like the yeah. minimum speed thing. Whatever the rule is, you could probably make case by case arguments that you could throw them. I would have black flagged him and just said, "Go, go home." Or at it, least got to get bad. adamant and say, "Hey, you got to let the leaders pass because." And and when if if Benjamin Peterson is ever and I think he like showed some promise earlier this year, but if he's ever like racing up in the lead and there's lap cars in front of him, I don't know who's going to move over for him. I would also like to point out that's because he's a classy racer, Caleb. Thank you. Good. Peterson finished twenty sixth. I will add that and. I would like to point out that Rossi did go over the radio and said, Hey, that's a Chevy teammate. I'm battling Hondas. Please let me go. And Peterson said, no, you're on your own. Essentially is what Chevy said. Who said, but who was making that call? I want to know who Benjamin Peterson's strategist is and what he's saying to him. I, I, was that like a rogue, like, no, I'm a race car driver. I'm going to race these guys. Or was it, was he sitting there trying to tell him like, no, Pat, let them pass. I, I mean, there were, f- there was a five car train behind Peterson of la- I, on lead lap cars. I think at some point in the future, this is a bold prediction and this is like ideal, perfect world. Uh, and I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I bet you someday the series leading sponsor is a technology company. Someday we'll have YouTube videos of every guy, their entire race. Like it's a police camp or a police officer's body cam. Oh boy. And you put the whole thing on YouTube. I, I don't know how many people would go back and watch them, but it would be really cool to see. I mean, uh, yeah, he, all that stuff is cool. And the worst, I guess what makes it look really bad too, was he held up Rossi and Rossi lost two spots trying to pass Peterson. Yeah, but that, it was like multiple drivers. Like everyone that tried to pass him got held up. And it's like, yeah. Um, so he lost spots to Award and Erickson. And I think Rosenquist, who was a lap down, got around Rossi and then went after and got around Peterson. So he, lo- he technically lost three spots if you like got passed by three cars before actually passing Peterson. Yeah, that was rough. Um, that like by far was probably the weirdest drive I've seen from an IndyCar guy all year. But anyways, we'll see what happens when they end up uh, coming to Iowa uh, and all that. And I think we hit on everything we need to there. Um, Real quick on the dirt stuff, uh, Darren Pittman, um, breaking news yesterday uh, on the 4th, um, is going to be in the Guy Forbrook number five car at the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, Darren's a guy that finished in the top 10 a uh, couple recent years. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. Um, he's a sneaky, sneaky pick. He could be fast. He could show speed. And Guy Forbrook's cars at Knoxville Raceway, uh, they qualify pretty damn well. Um, so 
look for him to uh, at least be a force during qualifying, um, if not during the race. But it's always good to see him come back. Um, former World of Outlaws champion, former Kings Royal winner. Um, really good, uh, great dude to talk to, too. So really excited for him. Um, as far as the Outlaws go right now, and I'll get the actual points. I think it's 10, but I'm not sure. Um, Brad Sweet and David Gravel have pulled away a little bit. Uh, on Carson Macedo since his accident. Uh, I think Carson has the speed still, and he's racing with a broken rib. Um, he's doing pretty impressive things, uh, being able to at least keep it a little bit close um, through the season. Uh, but he's 54 points back now. I don't think he has the finishing speed that he had in the first uh, portion of the season, and it's going to take a little bit uh, to get that back. We'll see if it comes. Uh, they're at Burlington on Friday. Uh, we'll be there uh, covering it live. Uh, and then they have the uh, Badger 40 at Wilmot uh, on Saturday in Wisconsin. Uh, and then next week, it's the, the Doty on Tuesday, and then obviously four days at Eldora. Um, so three races before we get into another big event that I don't think should. It's don't think it will count for points. I'm not sure if the Kings Royal is going to count for points. We'll get to that, and we'll, we'll put that in our preview for the week. But uh, Brad Sweet leads David Gravel by four points. That's two positions on the track, and then uh, 54 back to Macedo, and 182 now back to Logan Schuhart, and Donnie Schatz is in fifth at 260 back. So uh, a lot of guys in the mid-pack uh, racing against each other, but Logan Schuhart's gone in the wrong direction um, in terms of going against these you know, it really is the big three with the World of Outlaws now. Um, and we'll see what, you know, July kind of brings everybody as far as that stuff goes. Um, is it? I I feel this way. Maybe I'm wrong. But isn't this kind of normally where Brad Sweet tends to kind of turn up the heat to? A little bit. Uh, but like, just like last year, David Gravel kept pace with him. There's actually, like, going into the final weekend, Gravel's numbers at Charlotte were way better than Brad Sweet's. Uh, and it looked like as long as Gravel finished, I think Gravel was either the points leader or, like, 16 points back going into Charlotte for the last three races of the year. Uh, and Gravel got into a wreck on uh, night one, and his car wasn't the same after that. Uh, it just wasn't. That's just a fact. Um, so yeah, uh, we've seen Brad Sweet win a bunch of races in a row in the summers and pull away. Not really the last couple of seasons, um, but yeah, this is usually kind of the time where you know a quintessential Brad Sweet season. They'd like to pick it up and uh, really take it to the next level. But it's going to be tough when you have guys like David Gravel and Carson Macedo behind you. So really interesting um, how that has all shook out. I, I never thought I'd see like a big three in the world of outlaws, but it's pretty, it is pretty cool, honestly, to see it at least how it's shaken out, how it is. Um, big shout out to our guy, uh, Jake Swanson. We're going to have him on the show at some point. Um, he took, took over the USAC, uh, non-wing points lead. Um, yesterday they had two races scheduled this weekend, I think two postponements and they only got one of them in. Um, but he took the lead over Emerson Axum again. Um, and I wanted to hit on him because Pittman, Darren Pittman that is racing the Forbert car at the Knoxville Nationals is racing for Alex Bowman at the Eldora Million and the Kings Royal. Uh, will that mean that we see Jake Swanson 
at the Knoxville Nationals? I don't think so. Um, that jury's still out on that. Uh, leaning towards no, I would say, if you were to ask me today what I thought would happen. Um, yeah, pod, that's a kind of a podcast scoop for you guys. I don't know who will be in the Alex Bowman number 55 car. There's been a few other drivers. Obviously, CJ Leary uh, might end up driving it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex Bowman race in the sprint car, but I don't know about his deal or what he wanted to do um, after obviously getting hurt and not wanting to race it the rest of the year. So I'm not sure how hard he was per se on the rest of the year stuff is all I wanted to say on that. Last thing before we get to Jackie, Pittsburgh's uh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway uh, got sold um, to, I believe, Blair and Tabby Cress. Uh, are the owner's names um, and they made like a incorporated company uh, to the, buy the track but it's going to keep it a racetrack which is always cool to see always good to see uh, racetracks that are racetracks uh, stay racetracks because I think we all saw the pictures of I-80 that were coming out last week and you know it sucks that that place is um, nothing like it once was but uh, obviously fantastic stuff for Pittsburgh um, hopefully the uh, new owners uh, are well liked by everybody and they uh, run a successful track and all that stuff so that's all I got um, for dirt this week I can look ahead at the schedule real quick but it's all kind of pointing into what's going on next week um, there's some narc going on this weekend the go for 40 for the Lucas dirt tour uh, is going on um, Caleb, I think Mason Mitchell won the uh, last dirt trucks race. What? That's three out of four, I think. You might is be that right. I think you're correct. It's right around in there. He's, he's, yeah, putting on a good show. It's either two out of four, three out of four, something right in there. I he's think gonna, that's his third, though. He's going to have to be careful. They're going to have to bring him into the truck series to be a ringer. Well, there you go. He, uh, he, he did pretty solid in his lone truck start, so. Wasn't it 34th to 15th or something? I see. In my mind, I was thinking 15th, so I feel like that's correct. Man, we are rain manning it today. Unless we're like a couple numbers off like Josh was. I would actually probably wager that. See, I feel like I've, in the past I've thought it was 15th, but then I was wrong. But I'm, I'm looking it up real quick, but I'm pretty sure it was 15th. And to be fair, I didn't sound confident at all in my answers. <laughs> You sounded pretty confident. Around fifth and thirteenth was still like very right. So I was sixteenth. Oh. Damn it! What is fake, news, fake news always race day, guys. You know how it be. That was the best part. Is I saw a bunch of people were calling NBC fake news for uh, the good NASCAR um, ratings. So that was interesting it's so weird man just some people are just some people just are so lost that it doesn't nothing you can show them hey this has changed nope have you guys checked out this uh instagram social media thing yet no i haven't yet i'm on the fence i don't know if i will or not but i i do think this is like the closest twitter's been to like a mess exit but i also not enough people are going to move to whatever new app they pick at the same time not unless twitter has a complete implode but 
people are also super weary of the fact that it's owned by Meta, and so of course your privacy issues still come into play. Yeah, but, yeah. Who knows? Um, you guys enjoy the race. We can thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, appreciate all of you, uh, and hope you enjoyed everything we brought. We'll be back uh, probably Sunday night. Um, I think that's what we'll do i think we'll be back sunday night uh talk about everything from this weekend uh bearing that we don't have an emergency episode or anything like that so stay tuned we'll uh we'll be back and uh appreciate y'all for listening thanks